It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Or, or should I say happy Victory Wednesday? We may have to start doing that. Um, the Wolves don't win enough for us to not do that. So uh, we're going to call this a Victory Wednesday. Today, we're going to spend most of our time talking about the Timberwolves win over the New Orleans Pelicans on Tuesday night, including individual studs and duds from the game, as we always do. And then we will spend a few minutes previewing Wolves-Bulls tonight as Minnesota plays a road home back-to-back and is back at Target Center to, to take on Chicago um, on Wednesday. But first, a quick reminder, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. All right, in terms of the game on Tuesday against the Pelicans, remember we talked extensively in our Tuesday episode about how there was really no blueprint for what this game should look like for the Wolves. Um, the last time these two, two teams played back in December, one of the 10 players that played in that game for the Wolves was available to play in the game on this Tuesday. So a completely different team. 90% of the guys that played were completely different. The Pelicans didn't, of course, have Zion Williamson last time around. This time they don't have J.J. Redick, uh, a couple of key players to their to their team as well. So uh, we didn't really know what to expect except for that the Pelicans are eight and seven since Zion um, has gotten on the floor for them. And so I think, I mean, one of the keys to the game was going to be to compete in the paint to, to be, uh, you know, do their best to be effective rebounding the ball. And even if they weren't going to win the rebounding battle, make Zion Williamson work and, uh, you know, be efficient on offense, which they weren't on Sunday against Dallas. Remember Sunday, the Wolves scored just 91 points. They shot, 40% 40% from the free throw line and what was it? 30. Um, I have it right here. 31% on three point attempts, 36% from the floor on Sunday. And they did all those things tonight. They turned around the offense. They were awesome uh, from everywhere on the floor, scored 139 points in regulation. It was actually a, a franchise record for a road game that did not go to overtime. Uh, the 139 points was, and they did a good job against Zion Williamson and against the Pelicans in the paint. Um, they still gave up 134 points. I'm not going to sit here and say that this was a great defensive game, but they did compete. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a, a case of, hey, we're not trying to play defense. It was more just the pace of the game. The Pelicans play extremely fast as it is. There were obviously a handful of possessions where Minnesota didn't get back as fast as they should have, or um, you know, a bad turnover in the open floor, a live ball turnover led to an easy basket. There were I don't know, three to three to five of those where it was just a dumb, a dumb play. And the Pelicans had some of those too. And part of that is both these are under 500 teams. They're young teams for the most part. And uh, there were some dumb mistakes, but in the half court, the Wolves defense was actually pretty decent. Their rotations were crisp. D'Angelo Russell was playing good help defense. Juancho Hernan Gomez was awesome defensively. Um, He was basically, uh, he was rotating exactly where he needed to go and contesting shots, whether it was Zion Williamson, whether it was Drew Holiday, um, 
it was uh, you know Etwan Moore guys guys that were penetrating from the perimeter that were getting to the rim, um, Lonzo Ball in a couple of scenarios although he primarily shot threes in this one, um, and and the Wolves were and primarily Hernan Gomez were contesting shots were maintaining the verticality were not committing fouls for the most part, um, and were really really effective guarding in the paint um, and that having somebody like a Hernan Gomez, we talked about this after the trade, he's not a great one-on-one defender. And if he gets switched onto a guard, he's likely going to get beat to the rim in a one-on-one matchup. But as a help defender, he is extremely smart, knows where to be. He's athletic enough to get there quickly and to get his arms up. And he's got enough of a reach and he's big enough to actually make things difficult, even for other big guys. Um, And he's not going to be a big shot blocker. Uh, but he was really good in this game defensively. Um, he did finish with three steals, um, and both he and Reed committed four fouls, but neither was really in foul trouble. And the Wolves' defense, despite giving up 134 points, was was pretty decent in this game um, and was, was key to what they did, even though the Pelicans shot 52%. Uh, the Wolves did a good job competing defensively. Offensively, this was a completely different game, night and day from Sunday. They scored 91 points in 48 minutes on Sunday. Scored 139 points in 48 minutes on Tuesday. Uh, the three, the uh, shooting percentages I mentioned on Sunday against the Mavs in that matinee at Target Center. The Wolves shot just 40% at the free throw line on Tuesday. They shot 85%, 17 of 20 from the free throw line. Um, So they attempted a few more free throws as well. Three-point attempts on Sunday, they shot 31%. This time around, 41.2% on three-point attempts. Anything over 40% as a team is definitely going to play and will make a big difference regardless of who the opponent is. And overall from the field, after shooting a hideous 36.4% on Sunday, the Wolves were at 55.7% from the field on Tuesday. Um, so just a, a complete offensive turnaround, really impressive job by the Wolves offensively in this game, being crisp. Uh, the ball movement was great, getting the ball around the perimeter, perimeter quickly. It was largely unselfish, and um, the Wolves, both Jordan McLaughlin and D'Angelo Russell did a good job of getting into the paint and distributing or or shooting um, and, and were mostly good. Russell was a little bit inefficient at times, and there were a couple of four shots from him that didn't, that didn't go in. But you take out D'Angelo Russell and the rest of this team, uh, every single player on this team, except for D'Angelo Russell and Nas Reed, shot over 50% from the floor. Think about that. Malik Beasley was 11 for 13. Just unbelievable. Jordan McLaughlin, 6 of 7. James Johnson was 8 of 14. Um, Even Wancho was 6 of 11. All these guys were above 50% shooting. They were 50% or above. Keelan Martin, I guess, was 1 of 2. And the only exception would be Nas Reed's 5 of 12, which is fine. I mean, Nas had a good game. Um, so just incredible efficiency from the Wolves. Crisp offense, rotating the ball around the perimeter, getting to the free throw line, attempting 20 free throws, and making 17 of them, which is not what we've seen lately from the Timberwolves. Competing on the glass, they did lose the rebounding battle 44 to 42, but it was close. They played hard. Again, they competed on the glass. Zion Williamson only had eight rebounds in 33 minutes. It took well. Zion had 25 points. It took him uh, 19 shots to get there. 10 of 19 shooting. He did not attempt a, a three pointer. The Wolves, especially late in the game, were forcing him to go to the free throw line, which was smart. That's part of the reason the Wolves' personal fouls did rack up a little bit, and that's fine. I mean, he's a like a 68 percent free throw shooter. He was five of nine, so right in line basically with that. Um, 
five of nine for this game for Zion and, and the Wolves did a good job. Zion was, was dynamic. He was really good overall. He definitely demonstrated that when he gets ahead of steam, he, he really can't be stopped. He somehow only had one turnover. It felt like he had more. Um, and that indeed was a, a charge where he almost sent Josh Akogi into the first row of seats. Um, he was standing kind of like, I don't know, eight feet from the basket, kind of in the middle of the paint. And he still flew basically to the baseline after Zion hit him. Um, and, and Williamson had four steals, three assists, eight rebounds, a block, only one turnover. Um, he had a good game, but he missed some bunnies around the room, which we're used to seeing the Timberwolves miss. And this was a lot because of the Hernan Gomez verticality, the Nas Reed verticality. The Wolves started to double a little bit late in the game. It just made life difficult. And the Pelicans didn't get anything from anybody else down the stretch. Um, Minnesota used, we didn't even really talk about the first half of this game specifically, but the Wolves were down by 12 uh, midway through the second quarter. They had a 17 to one run um, that, that vaulted them into the lead. They were up by four at halftime. And then in the third, the Pelicans got back up by seven multiple times and the Wolves couldn't really break through. But then there was a, a big surge that Jordan McLaughlin led with the bench late in the third quarter. The Wolves got back on top. And then in the fourth, nobody scored for the Pelicans that wasn't named Zion Williamson or Drew Holiday until there was two and a half minutes left in the game. Brandon Ingram did nothing after having a huge first half. He still finished with 24 points. I don't think he scored at all in the fourth quarter. And I know he didn't score for the first you know, nine and a half minutes. It was the two and a half minute mark mark before a Josh Hart put back was the only non-holiday, non-Zion points for the Pelicans in the fourth quarter. Um, the Wolves then really pushed ahead down the stretch. Uh, McLaughlin actually went out. He hit his knee or excuse me, hit his head on Williamson's knee and went out of the game with about eight minutes left. So not sure what his availability will be on Wednesday, but it didn't look great. I mean, he didn't come back into the game and had a really good game before that. Um, but down the stretch, the Wolves held on. They made their free throws. Uh, both Malik Beasley, who was awesome in this game, D'Angelo Russell, both made two free throws each in the final minute to kind of seal the win. And uh, ultimately, the Wolves were able to to pull out, pull this one out by five points. Um, so strong play down the stretch as well that really kind of cemented things for the Timberwolves. All right, next up, we're going to talk studs and duds and wrap up this game before we get into looking at Wolves-Bulls on Wednesday night. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's funny how after some games, it's really easy to pick studs, and it you know it feels weird picking duds when nobody really played awful, and vice versa. So Sunday, the issue was really nobody played great, and so I held my nose and picked. I mean, Josh Okogie was a fairly easy one, but besides that, I held my nose and picked another couple studs and didn't have any problem finding duds. Today was actually, or I should say Tuesday's game was actually the other way around. Um, 
everybody really played pretty well. So I'll highlight three studs, and then we'll have an honorary one. Malik Beasley is the easiest one. He, I think I gave him an A-plus in my player grade on dunking with Wolves. He was really good in this game. The last two times out, he wasn't great and was a big part of the Wolves' offense struggling. Remember, without Towns, he's their clear number two option, and the Wolves run a lot of plays for him in catch-and-shoot situations. Other teams have figured that out, and it really, you have to go back to his first couple games with the Wolves to, to find a time when he was able to get multiple catch-and-shoot jumpers coming around screens, uh, coming around pin-downs, and, and, and his quick release at the top of the arc. We're not seeing that as much anymore. The Wolves are trying to run those sets, but other teams are expecting it. And he was still able to turn in an efficient performance. He was actually attacking the rim as much as I've seen him do in a Wolves uniform. He only attempted, he, he had 13 shot attempts, only five or three-pointers. So he was 11 of 13 overall shooting, four or five beyond the arc, which means he was, what, seven of eight on non-three-point attempts. So seven of eight on two-pointers, four of five on three-pointers, ultra-efficient. Um, scored in transition a couple of times, but was even getting to the rim in the half-court offense. And it was really impressive to see that. Uh, I mean, this is the type of performance that the Wolves need out of Beasley. And if he does this consistently, I mean, he's this literally is like a, a, a borderline all-star type performance. Now, obviously, nobody's going to shoot 11 of 13 every night. But the mix of his, we already know he's got three-point shooting ability and that he can catch and shoot. His release is super quick. He can get hot. But if he can consistently get to the rim and score, then the sky's the limit for Malik Beasley. And and he was okay on defense. And that's kind of his MO is his best games are just okay on defense. He's not super big and he's not the savviest defender, but he did an okay job. Um, and he also, in addition to the 28 points that he scored, he had four assists and three rebounds, only one turnover. He played a team high 36 minutes. Um, so, a great all-around game. You know, you'd love to see him get more than three rebounds in 36 minutes, but the four assists are great. And overall, he was really good in this game. The second stud in this game is the other player who is super efficient from the floor, and that's Jordan McLaughlin. He, off the bench, only played 20 minutes and had 13.6 assists, six of seven shooting from the floor, one of two from beyond the arc. So um, do the math, five of five shooting inside the arc. And it was it was all at the rim, and most of it was in the half court. I mean, he was doing what he has done quite a bit recently, including the game-winning shot against the Miami Heat um, about a week ago, getting beating his defender at the point of attack and then getting past the help defense, or if the opposing team hasn't figured out that McLaughlin actually has a pretty quick first step and is deceptively quick with with a really good he could he really just slithers to the rim and gets around defenders and there were a couple times he scored around Zion um, he was beating if big men get, get switched on to him he can beat them to the rim pretty easily and finishes around guys with really crafty finishes at the rim it's kind of the opposite of like um, Ricky Rubio with how crafty he was around the rim but he couldn't finish his layups McLaughlin is able to finish his layups and and Hopefully it's not fluky. We're still at a relatively small sample size, but he's really crafty around the rim. And I think that's actually a perfect word to describe how he can score at his size and, you know, moderate athleticism at best, I think. I mean, he's had a couple nice dunks, but um, he uh, is really impressive with how he's able to get to the basket and score and also look to pass. He was a little bit overzealous at times trying to distribute the ball and ended up with four turnovers in this game. Um, and a couple were pretty bad, were live ball turnovers that led to easy baskets the other way. But that's what you want McLaughlin to be looking for those passes. He had a couple of really nice over-the-shoulder passes, um, tight windows around and through defenders to to get easy baskets for his teammates at the rim. And 
just an impressive performance. I mean, the Wolves, if you can get 13 and six out of your backup point guard every night, you do that. Um, he did play more with D'Angelo Russell. We talked about that on Tuesday's podcast right here at Locked on Wolves about how the Wolves were looking to do that more and how it's been successful so far. It was a, it was good again in this game, um, the stretches that they played together. McLaughlin ended up being a, a plus 17 for the game in the plus minus column, um, which this is another one of those games where he was a plus 17, D'Angelo Russell, and that's the team best, Mark. D'Angelo Russell was a team worst minus 14. Um, I don't think that the gap was quite as big in this game. I think Russell was fine. Um, but McLaughlin did did play better overall, and the minutes that they played together were pretty good too. Um, so keep an eye on that. We're going to definitely see more of it um, upcoming here soon. The third stud in this game is Juancho Hernan Gomez. He finished, and this is after a really good game last time out, even... even um, I guess he was he was good in the Dallas game. The game before that, he was he was really good. Um, Sixteen points, eight rebounds, six of eleven shooting. He also had three steals and two assists in this game. Two of five from beyond the arc. Two of three at the free throw line. Uh, was solid defensively. We talked about this in the first segment, so we don't need to spend a lot of time on it now. But was really good as a help defender in this game. All around solid game. Eight rebounds in thirty four minutes is what Juancho needs to do for this team with no Carl Anthony Towns. He has to get you know, seven to 10 rebounds per game with no towns on the floor. And he did that. He did that on Tuesday. He had the three steals, which was key. And, uh, you know, plus five um, for the game, which was the third best mark for the team. Really good all around game for Juancho. And it's exactly what the Wolves need to see. We usually only do three studs, but we'll give Nas Reed an honorary one for this game. He's gotten a lot of uh, dud awards recently, and he was back in New Orleans. Remember, he played at LSU. Um, I think he's from the area as well. Had uh, 13 points, 14 rebounds, three steals, three assists, two blocks. Actually, a, a really solid all-around game for Nas. One of four from beyond the arc, but five of 12 from the field. So uh, four of eight in the paint, which was a, a really nice change from the, like, what was he like three of 13 on Sunday in the paint? Um, so, but I mean, 13, 13, 14, three, three, and two is a good line regardless. Um, was a positive plus minus only played the 27 minutes, had a little bit of foul trouble, but not as much as he's used to. And this was the type of game. I mean, if the Wolves can get this out of Nas, um, you know, nightly, if he was going to play this many minutes, that's awesome. He continues to have really good per 36 numbers and showed quite a bit of touch around the rim again in this one after, like randomly losing it on Sunday against Dallas. So good game from Nas as well. All right, the name of this game is Duds and Duds, so we have to pick some Duds. There's two, I guess, obvious ones if you look at the box score, and it also reflected this in the game. Jake Lehman played 14 minutes, only had two points. He was 0 of 2 shooting, and both of his misses were, I should, I guess he was 0 of 1 from beyond the arc. So he had two misses in the paint. One was the one he got fouled on, and he made two free throws. It was an iffy foul call, and it's still a shot he should have made for an and one. And then his other official miss from the field was also in the paint he's really struggling around the rim uh, at this point and that's that's who knows if it's psychological or what the deal is but for guys coming back from a long layup it's not shocking uh, but he at some point he's such a good cutter at some point he's got to make those baskets around the rim he's got enough athleticism he's probably going to start dunking over people and he'll finish their contact better as he gets his uh, his feet under him a little bit more and then Keelan Barton only played eight minutes in this game which was by far a team low he was okay I mean he had three points he completed a nice three-point play had a couple rebounds he was a minus four on the night and had a turnover in just eight minutes um, so but really I mean he missed a wide open corner three for instance and he's got a he's got to start making those open three-point shots I mean the whole reason the Wolves 
not the only reason, obviously, but a huge reason why he got this two-way contract was he's supposedly a really good shooter. He's shooting 25.8% on three-point attempts this year. And even though he's getting not he's not playing consistent minutes, I mean, he's consistently in the rotation now, but his minutes have uh, have gone down a little bit of late. And with Jake Lehman's return, it's going to stay that way, especially if the Wolves are going to play McLaughlin and, and Russell together for stretches. Martin's got to figure out a way to, to be effective in those short stints and to make three-pointers when he gets the opportunity. All right, next up, we are going to put a bow on this game. We'll talk a, a brief preview for uh, for Bulls, Bulls Wolves excuse me, on Wednesday night at Target Center um, as the Wolves play their second game in 24 hours. But first, wanted to mention local advertising on Locked on Wolves. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked on to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Wolves is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Minnesota Timberwolves fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Wolves fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, summing up Wolves, Pelicans, quickly, the key points from this game, the Wolves offense was on point again after having not been on Sunday. They had a huge turnaround Sunday to Tuesday and were great from everywhere. Free throw line, three-point arc um, in transition, really an attacking mindset on offense, good ball movement. The defense was okay. It was scrambling. They, they played hard. They rebounded. They competed. They did a good job on Zion. They executed their game plan against him and played hard down the stretch. They also didn't quit when they got down, um, which is something that we've seen from this this new Timberwolves group, that they're consistently providing effort even when things look like they're really rough. Um, so just a really a really good all-around game for the Wolves. And um, obviously they can't give up 135 points a night, 134 points. They've got to, they've got to, uh, to work on that a little bit. And especially against the Pelicans team that they're good offensively, especially with Zion, but they're not great. Um, the defensive improvement still has to happen and they're not going to be able to outscore everyone. They certainly haven't been as we've noticed lately. Um, but generally speaking, a, a good win for the wolves on the road against a, a tough, um, individual in Zion Williamson and the Wolves will play the Pelicans again here in just a couple games at home so um, and that'll be the third and final game of that season series all right a quick preview for Wolves Bulls which is tonight so a back-to-back a road home back-to-back for the Wolves it seems like the Wolves just played the Bulls but that was actually back before the trade deadline and so again we don't have a lot to really pull from from that game Um, you look at that team versus this version of the team the only I guess there were three guys who played in that game. 
that should be available to, available to play on Wednesday. Um, Josh Akogi, Jarrett Culver, and then Jordan McLaughlin, who I guess I mentioned earlier, he did go down with what appeared to be a head injury late in the game. My guess would be if it's, um, I mean, if it's anything that they're concerned about close to a concussion, then perhaps he sits out on a back-to-back and comes back next time around. There isn't, to be clear, there hasn't been an official injury report. Uh, There wasn't even a report last night that he was injured, so it could have just been a precaution, could have just been the team was playing well anyways, even though McLaughlin had had a great game. So I don't want to get ahead of myself in saying that he may not play, but I'm just, I feel like that's a possibility, so I wanted to say that. Um... Towns obviously played in that game, had 40 points, and was really good. Uh, 40 points, six rebounds, used four of eight from beyond the arc, and the Wolves lost by seven at Chicago. Um, and and obviously Towns won't be available in this game. Um, but this team, this version of the Wolves versus that version of the Wolves is very different. The Bulls, for their part, are essentially the same team from a roster perspective, but have a ton of injuries. Zach Levine's not going to play. He's out with a quad injury. Chris Dunn's been out for a couple of weeks, and he's going to be out for at least a couple more weeks with a knee injury. Um, Chandler Hutchinson has been out for a while um, and is still out. Laurie Markkinen is day-to-day and is questionable for the Wolves game. Um, While the Bulls did get Otto Porter Jr. back, they actually beat the Mavericks the other night by a couple points. I think it was the back-to-back for Dallas on Monday, so it was a day after the, the Mavs beat the Wolves. The Bulls beat Dallas by two in Chicago, and didn't play yesterday so they're a little bit more rested than the Wolves and Otto Porter Jr. played in that game for the first time since early November after basically the the Jake Lehman type layoff a week or two longer in fact and Porter had 18 points in 17 minutes off the bench 7 of 11 shooting 3 of 5 beyond the arc um, so he had a really good game the starting he came off the bench so the starting lineup now you know Thaddeus Young is basically the best starter for this team now he hadn't been starting for the first part of the year 12 points 9 rebounds 4 assists the other night and there just aren't that many other dynamic players available with no Levine no Dunn um, if Markinen doesn't play I mean you're talking about you know uh I mean, Tomas Sadoransky, Shaquille Harrison are starting for this team. Denzel Valentine, Wendell Carter Jr. has been um, on and off pretty impressive um, as well. I mean, he's averaging what he's averaging 11 and and nine on the season. Um, So overall, this is actually a game the Wolves should win, even on a back to back, especially if Markinen doesn't play. Um, So just a just a, a matchup that the Wolves should be able to dominate. And, and it's really hard to, to pull much from the Bulls for the season because this team is so different with no Levine. Um, you know, their their offense has actually been a lot worse than their defense, which you wouldn't expect with Zach Levine as their consensus best player and a guy who is a much better offensive player than defensive player. Um, but the, the Bulls are 26th in offensive rating on the season, 14th in defensive rating. And, um, and offensively, they struggle from beyond the arc. They shoot just under 35%. They struggle at the free throw line. They shoot 75% there. So those numbers are actually pretty aligned with the Wolves for the season. But they're also not a very good rebounding team. They're actually 30th in, in rebounds per game and 26th in rebounding defensive rebounding percentage. So worse than the Wolves. And if the Wolves can win the battle on the glass and also control the pace of this game, especially with no marking in and with all the injuries the Bulls have, then Minnesota should have a really good chance to put this game away and, and to win. If if they play like they did in New Orleans in this game, they will be just fine. Uh, there's no dynamic player like a Zion Williamson on Chicago's roster. And unless Otto Porter Jr. is extremely efficient and they play exactly like they did against Dallas on Monday, 
then this is this is a game that I would actually favor the Wolves to win. I, I don't have the line in front of me what it actually is. I'm sure the Bulls are favored, but it, probably not by much. Um, so it'll be an intriguing matchup. It'd be a lot of fun to see the Wolves get two consecutive wins for the first time in I'm not sure how long. But for, for Minnesota to, to pull out a win would be awesome. Um, I'm going to see if I can find out when the last time they won two straight games was. And it wasn't recently. I'll tell you that much. Um, let's see. The last time the Wolves won two consecutive games was January 2nd and 5th when they beat Golden State and Cleveland in consecutive games. And they actually had won three out of four in that stretch. They beat Brooklyn, lost to Milwaukee, won versus Golden State and at Cleveland. Um, so it's been two months, literally, since the Wolves have won two straight games. And, and I think they've got a shot to do it here. And then the next two games are also against losing teams. Minnesota hosts Orlando on Friday and then the Pelicans again on Sunday. So a chance to build a little mini run here before a brutal road, road stretch um, where they play a lot of conference opponents um, away from target center. So this would be a really important game for for the Wolves to to grab a win. All right, that's all we have for you today here at Locked On Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. We'll be back on Thursday recapping Wednesday's game and talking studs and duds as we always do. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 